Xavier and I laughed some more, then spent another half hour listening to the house crack and pop. Finally, it was time to wake up Tyler, so we both stood up and stretched. I know I was a little uneasy because of what happened between us earlier. I knew he was the kind of kid who would get back at me as soon as he came up with a plan. He'd do it all sneaky and in a way he couldn't possibly lose. All snakes are like that. They're cowards who appear strong, but have too many self-doubts to ever really become strong. Rather than improve themselves, they plot and scheme ways to bring down others. Snakes, like I said. I walked over to the door of the bedroom. Tyler was sleeping in and knocked on it three times, looking back towards Xavier, who was standing by Finn. Hearing nothing behind the door, I knocked again, this time a little louder, but not so loud that I wake Max up. Leaning in toward the door to hear anything I could, I started counting in my head until I got to 20. Xavier had walked over as I jerked my head toward the door. Xavier jerked his head back, so I turned the doorknob and pushed open the door. I wanted to scream and attack that tall, freaky kid standing there, all dressed, looking straight at us, his arms hanging limply along his thighs like a crazed killer, one of the old slash movies. Creepy as hell. It must have had the same effect on Xavier because he lost it and forgot all about being quiet. Hey, what's the matter with you, Xavier yelled. No answer from Tyler, not a response of any kind. He just stood there, looking like all he needed was an axe or chainsaw, and he'd be happy to start killing teenagers in some cabin in the back of beyond. And just then, I saw we were in that kind of place. Then I lost it. Smack! I slapped him across the face and he blinked real slow. Smack! Smack! I kept at it until he started waking up. Hey, Tyler said groggily. What's going on, guys? You tell us, I yelled. You're standing there in outer space not hearing a thing. I feel weird, Tyler said, like I did with the cash registers. Tired. My my mind feels tired. We're all tired, Xavier told him. Why don't you lie down and go back to sleep? Yeah, I'll lie down and go back to sleep, Tyler said, turning around and shuffling back to the bed. He sat down like a sleepwalker, tipped over onto the bed, and started snoring with his feet still on the floor. Xavier turned to me, and I looked at him for an extra beat. It's not good, man, whatever it is, Xavier said, shaking his head. I'll stay up, I said. Good idea. I'll lock his door, but I don't think he's getting up again for a while, Xavier said. Just be careful, and call me if anything weird happens before sun up. I'm B, Odysseus. I got it. Go to sleep, chief, I told him. He gave a little wave and headed off to bed. I didn't blame him. There wasn't anything else we could do. Tyler might flip out on us, or he might just sleep it off. Who could say? Besides, Xavier looked exhausted. Me? I felt pretty good. Scared, but pretty good. It became darker before the sunlight came. My skin tingled on and off until after daybreak. I swore the chains were out there, someplace close, maybe probing us. I figured at least some of those noises we kept hearing were the chains sneaking onto the porch, peering between the curtains, checking windows and door locks. Why they didn't bust through the windows, I couldn't say, but I sensed they were out there. And since Femicool never left his post at the top of the steps, I figured he could smell them or hear them too. I bent down and tussled his ears, silently thanking him for not pacing and growling and freaking us out all night like some dogs would. For breakfast, I had a power bar from my cargo pocket and sipped some water from a bottle I had, thinking how much I wanted a shower and a place to brush my teeth. I'm pretty particular about st that stuff. I mean, life's too short to be smelly or start skipping showers and brushing teeth, right? And with that thought, I saw Maxine, beautiful as ever, open her door and step out onto the hall. She gave me a little smile and headed toward the bathroom. I felt weird just sitting outside while she was using the bathroom, so I decided to head downstairs and give her some privacy while I looked around. Morning light was shining through the windows. I figured it was okay to be downstairs. Besides, Finn was standing beside the front door, and if he felt the way I did, he was heeding the call of nature. I took a quick peek through the front door curtains, 
then turn the deadbolt and unhook the chain. As soon as I opened the door, Finn burst into the screen door, pushing it open as he shot off the front porch steps toward a copse of fir trees on the side of the grass. I followed him, seeing no, no one around except for a couple of robins pecking in the grass. The air felt clean the way I figured it should be in the country. Grass and dew and manure in the wind. Maybe some chemical fertilizer underneath it all. No smell of death, as far as I could tell. I began to feel hopeful, which was a good feeling since I had a lot of reasons to feel anything but hopeful. I missed my mom. I was beginning to think I'd never see her again. I also desperately wanted to know what the heck was going on in the world. I decided I'd have a look around the barn for a radio. We needed news. Without it, we were running blind. Looking back at the house, I figured since Max was up and it was daylight, I can consider my nighttime watch completed. I closed the front door, so I figured it was free to look around the property for a bit. It turned out to be a bad idea. The big barn door was locked, and I pushed it to the side easily on little black wheels and walked inside, my eyes trying to adjust to the dim light. Finn appeared out of nowhere and burst into the barn, snuffling and breathing hard, taking in everything he could, sm he could smell and see. To me, it smelled of diesel and gasoline, with a hint of what I could only describe as crops. Probably corn or whatever they grew in the winter. Maybe winter wheat, but I don't know enough to say for sure. My nose also told me chemical fertilizers were around somewhere. I read a lot, so I know a little about a lot of things. I walked over to the far wall where cluttered workbenches and tables were lined up the way they were in barns the world over. I started searching for a radio, but I figured I'd take anything with batteries, including a flashlight or lamp. Portable lights were always good things to have when there wasn't any electricity. All kinds of wrenches and cans and screwdrivers and rags were scattered over the tables. Grease for this, oil for that, solvent to fix this problem, cement to repair that problem. There were attempts to organize the mess in the form of tools, line up in pegs along the wall, but I got the feeling it was more for show. Judging by the empty boxes and litter around the barn, I had the feeling that when it came to repairs, duct tape was probably what was used most often in this place of disarray. Either way, I couldn't find some radio for find a radio for some news. The whole time I looked around the barn, I was wary that I might find a body, maybe two. I found no bodies, but I did find two tractors. Huge things with double rear tires taller above my head. Complete with all kinds of gigantic pieces of equipment to pull for planting and harvest seasons, presumably. There was a John Deere utility vehicle with a trailer and two big ATVs painted in a woodland camouflage pattern. I was hoping to find another car or truck we could use, but there wasn't one. So I headed outside through a normal-sized door in the rear of the barn and saw another outbuilding 20 yards away. Beside it was a tank, maybe 500 gallons. As I walked around the side of the tank, I saw a diesel in big red letters with the gauge on showing the tank nearly full. On the other side of the building, I found a smaller gasoline tank nearly half full so we could keep our Oldsmobile if we had to, but I was still hoping for a vehicle with a windshield and rear window intact. Xavier would be really ha happy about all the fuel, I thought. Then I heard a scream, a girl's scream, Maxine's scream. I knew as I scrambled to get through the barn and back to the house, sprinting back, I remember how desperate I felt, hoping my legs would go faster even as my feet felt heavy and clumsy. I clambered around and took the safety off as I launched up the front steps, clearing them all in one bound. Finn had beat me to the door and he stood waiting, eager to get inside. I flung open the door and yelled, Maxine! I heard nothing, so I followed Finn up the stairs and yelled her name again. The bathroom door was open enough for me to see blood on the white tile floor. My skin went cold. I picked open the door. It stopped short on, on Tyler's head, his body on the floor, blood running down his face in a steady stream. Behind him, 
Maxine was sitting on the edge of the tub in a purple bathrobe, head in her hands as she sobbed, her shoulder heaving up and down. Beside her, Xavier stood clenching and unclenching his fists, his eyes looking down toward Tyler's body. What the hell happened? I asked. Max never looked up. Xavier looked at me slowly, like he didn't know what to say. He tried to choke her, Xavier mumbled. I came in and stopped him. Where did you go, Yuli? I was outside looking for a radio. Max got up and it was daylight, but I stopped talking because I sounded like a little weasel making excuses. We can't leave him alone, man, Xavier pleaded, not hiding his anger. Just then, Maxine looked up at me and sniffed, with her hair pulled back and her cheeks pink from crying. She looked even more beautiful than she had last night. It's not your fault, Yuli. You had no idea I was going to do that. None of us did. I'm okay, she said, standing up. Anyway, we need to decide some things today while it's still morning. She pointed at Tyler's body and said, First thing we need to decide is what to do with him.